Tristan Lee. Phenomenon that swept the nation at the age of 15. I've gotten plenty of hate comments. A young man whose dedication to his craft unintentionally made him an internet phenom. Every single day of my life, my dad told me, I don't care what you do. We're not going to ask you the question, what do you feel like frightens you most? It's so like, that's probably my biggest fear. I don't want to get to the end of things. And Ever feel like you encountered bullying? When in your life have you ever thought to leave something hateful under someone's? I felt like I was skinny. I felt like I was small. I was weak. And I felt a little bit like a, I, had, I had quit. In that time, do you feel like there's any time that you failed? I don't see myself creating content forever. Like eventually I want to settle down, have a family. You got nervous, right? I was so scared. I just lived my entire life chasing the next moment. Could have done more to help the people around me. I could have loved someone more. I could have, that's a, that's a very tough question. Luckily for you today, we're not going to ask you the question if you're natty. Oh, I know. Such a relief. You got nervous, right? I was so scared. <laughs> but actually, I was scared for other reasons coming in here. The funny thing, though, is like some of these Q&As, it's like, is he really 16? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, I got to start showing birth certificates. You know, as people show blood work. I'll start showing birth certificates. Birth certificates of a... Uh, whether or not I'm actually 16. Whether or not you're 16. <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> Honestly, I've... Wait, yeah. Was it? Who was it? Oh, Flex. Flex on your last podcast. He was like, honestly, bro, like when you turn 40, yeah, you're just going to love it so yeah, much. Yeah, you're going to love it. I was talking to two black guys at the gym and they were like, yeah, black don't crack. I'm like, yeah, Asian don't raisin. Two black guys at the gym. Are you talking well, about like Valley and... Valley and Sean. <laughs> Those guys are 32 and they look like they're... What? They're 32, both of them. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. Respect you're the genetics. Fucking lying. That's no, 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 thirty-two years old, and they're jacked, and it's and they're natural. So you are lying, bro. Yeah. Valley's thirty-two. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought he was like twenty-four. Yeah, I know it's nuts. He's like, yeah, I coach high school football. I'm like, you mean play? <laughs> what the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's a maybe that makes us feel better. because yeah. they're so jacked. Yeah, because you know? they're so jacked. Yeah, they are. At, they have jacked. like years on us. Yeah, dude, because they're, they're both natty and they're hella jacked. Yeah, they're that's crazy. the thing that's like, like we're always like, hey, these guys are natty, but then we like see all these, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I want to go to like what? a really random like African tribe village, and you just see all these massive jacked dudes that haven't lived a weight a day in their life. It's like the Francis Ngannou story. The what was it? Francis Ngannou, like the, what is the UFC fighter? How he like just like is just like insane genetics and i'm like how many people are just out there in africa that just like look like this guy and just aren't on social media whatsoever francine francis Ngannou. francis Ngannou. do you not follow mma <laughs> bro i i watch mma sometimes but i don't yeah. follow it at least not anymore i haven't followed anything i don't even watch anime anymore ah uh, it's depressing <laughs> that was like your identity before yeah dude i feel so out of the loop now yeah just because you and i are just so busy doing content all the time we never get a chance to just <laughs> Like, do you, tell me, when's the last time you just sit down and watch TV? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of like TV. I'll listen to podcasts and stuff, but yeah, I don't watch TV a lot. Exactly. Same. Cause we don't have to actually look at the podcast, right? Yeah, we can do fair. other things at the same time. Yeah. But I don't want to act like I actually like I'm spending all day on content. It's not like that. What are you spending all day on? I don't know. What like, does your day normally look like right now? It's pretty, it's pretty chill. I mean, like I, I do spend a lot of time, like I would say probably like eight to nine hours a day on like content whether it's like filming doing like actual lifting which is a lot of my content posting on snapchat or instagram or tiktok whatever it is but after i kind of like backed off of like a lot of the youtube editing and stuff i just took a little bit more time out of my overall workload as far as content creation goes 
Okay. And but I'm sure with the podcast and stuff, that's more long form. So it's a little bit more work intensive for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do, do you feel like you have free time? Do you allocate not, free time for yourself? Not necessarily, but it's kind of like free time and work time gets mashed together. Like there's no complete switch off and there's no complete switch on. Like I enjoy all the work that I do as far as content creation goes, because all the stuff that I film is just stuff that I would have done anyways. But then there's times where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could just go enjoy this. And I always end up like flipping out the phone or whatever, just getting some stuff along the way. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't have complete free time, which I could delegate, but I really don't feel the need to because it's just what I would be doing anyways. Do you think it's always going to be like this? Or do you think there's going to be a a time where you're going to be able to easily transition into actually allocating free time? Say that like, you know, building a family or... Yeah, that's definitely the point. I mean, well, I mean, obviously you have to work towards that and we kind of talked about this earlier but like i don't see myself creating content forever like eventually i want to settle down have a family and Mm -hmm. i don't know go live on a farm somewhere or something a farm i don't know something 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 chill like you're just saying this or this is no i think i think probably like i'm only 21 right now and it feels like i've been doing content for a long time because i have been doing you fucking have dude yeah it's like like almost borderline seven years now so to be doing it for that long like i don't see myself doing it for like the next 20 years at least at the the way that i'm doing it right now as far as like producing to i don't know like pull views or really try to like cater to a particular audience yeah. it'll be more so just like oh i'm gonna post stuff that i feel is genuinely valuable not that the stuff that i post right now isn't but i'll have the audience there that wants to kind of follow along what i'm doing and stuff wait so how did you even like have time to create youtube videos and do the workouts and everything and then edit it and post when you were 14 when i was 15 was when i really started like honing in on it i did all like pretty much the entire seven years that i've been doing content has been myself and my two older brothers we kind of delegate tasks off each other so we have our own little work team is that has been helpful i still did do a lot of editing uh they did some of it but videography is obviously like a lot easier when you have someone just filming and documenting stuff. And then I can always go in and edit it the way I like to, but it was, it was long days when I first started because I was going to school, I was playing soccer and uh, I was traveling all at the same time. So there was a lot of times where I'd be up late and I just loved like creating stuff. I love storytelling, like videography, cinematography, all this different stuff. So I would stay up late even uh, even when I was like after training for soccer or before school, when I was going to the gym super early in the morning, I tried to create as much time as possible in between when I was doing the other stuff, like going to school. And then that's kind of just how I, I delegated it. But like back then I had a lot less free time than I do now. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm going to do the intro real quick. Go for it. So that everybody here who already knows who you are knows who you are. Um, but basically, boys and homies, and also the 5% of women, we have today a phenomenon that swept the nation <laughs> slash world at the age of 15. Um, the butch striated Asian sensation <laughs> forever 16-year-old <laughs> himself, Mr. Tristan Lee. And uh, dude, honestly, you've been on like several podcasts and you've made hundreds of YouTube videos already, mm-hmm. of which you've spoken about your story before. So today I have some potentially hard questions that I've always wanted to ask you. Um, But really just because these are all things that have significantly impacted my own life. Mm -hmm. And I feel many of us have come across. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on again. Especially after our super effective workout today. Oh, it was was beautiful. Very, very quick rest times. Yep. So you and I have gone through some, um, some 
similar paths while not completely the same mm. have um, been aligned in a lot of different areas. And when it comes through like big decisions that would chase the course of our life forever and how we were kind of tested in a lot of the same parts of ourselves. So I think in a lot of these places, I think one of the things that might've crossed our minds is like, will we break? Like how long, mm. how long until we yeah. might potentially break? So this, I'm not sure how easy of a question this is because I've had two really big paths in my life that I had to choose from that would have been a completely different life, just period. It would just been a completely different life. Right. So what do you think your life would have been like today had you chosen football over bodybuilding? I think it would have looked a lot differently. I would have been, um, you know, really uh, grinding a lot harder probably than I am right now as far as like working my way up the ranks. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine like what life would be like because I spent so much of my childhood like dedicating it towards social media and stuff. And it was really like, it was fairly early that I did shift away from football, soccer to actually just pursue like social media as my full-time thing. So uh, I really, it's, it really is tough to say. I definitely think I would be overseas. I wouldn't be here in the U S I wouldn't be working as closely with my brothers and my family, which is kind of like it's sad to think about like if, if that had been the path because i think that it would have looked a lot differently for all of us being that we work so tightly together um i definitely think that i could have taken it relatively far but not to the same degree that i've taken social media and i wouldn't have had the same opportunities to connect with the people and learn the things that i've learned through social media and through just talking and just like having certain connections that social media has just allowed me to do so I think my life would have looked a lot differently. Um, I think I wouldn't have had quite as much freedom to just be like, this is what I want to do and I can just post whatever I want. And that's the driver of it. It would be a lot more directed um, towards that one specific goal. And then there's the question of like, what happens after that? So I don't know how I would have really necessarily taken that being that I am very goal oriented. So if I don't have any sort of direction or path towards something, I get into my own head and I, I don't feel as good and uh, my, like my quality of life goes down pretty substantially. So where do you think you would be right now? <laughs> location wise or just yeah, location in wise life, first. probably somewhere in Europe, either in Spain or London. Those were the two spots that I was really leaning towards as far as playing professional football goes. Mm -hmm. Not here in the U S probably. Um, and yeah, yeah, probably in Europe. Where were you born by the way? Just, Toronto. So, well, yeah, I was born in Toronto, but I grew up in this small town outside of Toronto. What the fuck is it with Canada breathing like excellence? What do you mean? It's irritating, bro. Everyone that's like just so excellent has just come from <laughs> Canada. Like that's a, that's a that's a massive generalization, but it seems like it. But Chris Bumstead, more plates, more dates. Mm. Freaking Justin Bieber. Yeah. Freaking Drake. Um, the Weekend. Just so many great like artists and just great minds are just like excellent people. I feel like I've just come from Canada. Maybe it's uh, I mean, because maybe there's it's, a smaller population. So it's like, you kind of pick them out. So like, even though like there's been a lot of great people, it's like, if you picked out every single great person that came from the U S it would be a lot more than Canada as well. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm probably, I'm probably just drawing <laughs> yeah. conclusions here, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. I guess like, I'm trying to think of like excellent Asian people that you can think of in like American culture, but it's a little bit more difficult. I think. Yeah, within American culture is definitely difficult. Yeah. Whereas it's like 
Canada, it's like often just a lot of white people and you just find out later yeah. that they're from Canada. Yeah. Or maybe just, that's a shocking factor. Yeah, for sure. Canada is a hodgepodge of races and nations. So what do you think uh, would be the time requirement for football versus this now? Because I know that in the past several years, it's changed for you. Because I, I think from what I recall from your past, like how rigorous your regimen was, hmm. like how hard you were dieting and how much cardio that I heard that you were doing sounds fucking insane. Yeah. So. Um, football is very tough. It's like a similar to bodybuilding. It's just definitely like a 24 hour thing. You have to make sure that you're on top of your performance. Obviously there's super talented individuals that you hear about, but you hear about that in like any sport where they don't necessarily have to go to those depths. Um, but I think like with, as far as bodybuilding goes, the, those sort of like extremes that I went to were very mentally consuming as far as like how much my day was consumed by just thinking about whether it's food or getting the training done, but the training itself wasn't super time consuming. So like, even though I was doing X number of steps, 15 to 20,000 steps a day, I was able to work at the same time and still produce videos and content and stuff. So my workload would have been relatively similar between training for football and training for bodybuilding. It's just like the bodybuilding side of things is more of uh checking the boxes throughout the day rather than someone gives you the schedule and then you work through it. So it's like, if I have to do a two hour training session with my team, I have to be there for those two hours. And then I come off the pitch and whatever I have to do off the field, I do off the field. And then I come back for my gym session. And obviously there's little things that you do to optimize your performance while you're training, but it's definitely more scheduled around what the whole team is doing and what the, the coaching staff and all these different things like need you to do rather than being on your own schedule to perform a certain way. How many hours do you feel like, uh, how many hours was required in football? So when I, when I played in Spain, which is probably the, I guess the most heavy training that I did, I would have a two hour team session in the morning, which would just be like practice. And then I'd have a one hour gym session and then I'd have a hour and a half scrimmage at night. So it's around like four and a half, like around four and a half hours, anywhere from like three and a half to four and a half hours a day. And then on top of that, obviously I was doing my social media stuff and I was trying to get into the gym for myself to just spend some more time. Were you in school at the time too? Yeah, I was doing online school. So when I was like 15 years old, I shifted from uh, being in school. It was around like grade 10, which I guess is junior year for that's what us refers to it as um and that's when i shifted in the middle of that year to online schooling i moved to spain alone to play football and then uh from that point on until like basically like high school all of my high school i just did it online damn yeah so that offered up definitely a lot more free time to be able to do like the editing and stuff because i was a little bit on my own more on my own schedule but i definitely think the being so regimented and having to hold myself accountable with schooling and training for football and doing the social media and being in the gym and getting my nutrition right, that contributed to when I went into like the bodybuilding sphere and I had to be so regimented. How the hell did you fit that all in one day? My schedules were like, were packed. It would be waking up super early. So I'd be up at 4am. Usually I'd have like just that morning time to like do a lot of my schooling work. And then I'd have to be on the field by like 630 
training till nine. And then afterwards I'd come back. I'd usually have my own personal gym session between then and whenever I'd have my like schooling that they did through the academy that I was with. And then we'd have the team gym session and then I'd have schooling or editing, whatever I had free time for in between that. And then at night I'd go back for the team scrimmage and I'd try to like finish and get to bed by like nine or 10. But a lot of times uh, the training would go pretty late. So jeez, yeah, dude, yeah. it was his long days. Wait, and what time did you wake up? You said four. Four a.m. Yeah. So you'd be getting like six hours, maybe seven hours of sleep. Yeah, it was like it was usually seven hours. I was pretty like my sleep was super deep, so I was able to get like a solid seven hours most nights. But on nights that I didn't, I just like I just didn't. <laughs> I mean, bro, considering you're like having like physical activity for what sounds like six hours a day, I yeah, would, I would be surprised if you didn't get at least some kind of deep yeah, sleep. yeah, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my gosh, dude, that's insane, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it was, insane. it was, yeah. But when you're going through it, you don't really notice it. You know, when you're a kid, you're just going, going, going. Yeah. Dude, that puts so much things in perspective. How did you, how did you even like just go there alone? So before that, you were living with your family, your parents and your brothers. Yeah. Or, so I was back home. One of my brothers was in university. The other was back home with my with my parents, and we all had just lived together that entire time. But my parents were super supportive about like just <laughs> like I think back on that and if I was a parent I would not have just sent my 15 year old kid overseas obviously they had like a certain amount of trust in the academy that I was going to but even then like you don't know you're just going to a foreign country we were just staying like in this small small town so it's not even like a main city where you can kind of gauge the main city areas and so like when I look back on it I'm definitely grateful for the opportunities but now I'm like if I have a family I don't know if I could let my kids do that so so they just who was was anyone watching over you during this time yeah like, so our academy, academy had it? like just coaches and stuff that would obviously watch over us to a certain extent but we had in our free time we we're able to go off and do whatever we wanted and you guys to. lived in like dorm rooms or yeah it was sort of like um yeah it was yeah it was sort of like dorm rooms okay okay it sounds kind of like my i went to a math and science school right the last two years of high school same thing right. dorm rooms when we had like a I don't know what you called them. It was like some kind of mentor slash advisor guy that would yeah. like at least be on your hall. So like, like he was just Knew making sure at. you weren't doing stupid things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, man, that is crazy. How, how long did you stay there for? So the first stint I was there was four months. And then I ended up going back with my brothers as well. When I went to play like just individually for an academy for another four months. And I spent three months in London as well. So how, how long is that total? It was probably in total a year, like of, of okay. like just traveling from like the ages of fifteen to really like seventeen, kind of mm -hmm. a year out of that time frame. I was traveling, yeah. So how did that? Um, what did you think your future looked like at that point before you had committed to just doing social media? I was very like day after day. I was trying to figure out like, okay, I just need to perform for like this game or this session and i was not really looking too far in advance uh -huh. i was hoping that like the opportunities would present themselves through me like being successful in whatever sessions i need to be successful in right and so i wasn't like i wasn't really looking super far in advance obviously i wanted to be at the top level like no kid who goes into a professional sport uh doesn't want to be at the top level but then i think there's a certain amount of like realization that like okay I haven't climbed the ranks yet. And I was only, I was already 17 years old and I was like, kind of like still doing trials for second division teams in Spain and London and, and these sort of things, which isn't like bad, but I also knew that I was dedicating time to other things. So I wasn't necessarily putting 150% or hundred percent, I guess, into solely football, which these little 
Barcelonian kids that are like six, seven, eight years old are getting put into academies right from a young age. And I'm this 15 year old Canadian kid coming across who has to like earn his stripes and that. So, so essentially not putting all your eggs in one basket. I think a lot of people these days are like realizing that's kind of the pathway for them to, uh, delve into the like the career path that they want to like their dream as their career because you know a lot of people like a lot of us are stuck in like a like a regular the regular procedure of going through school mm. picking a degree and then coming out and especially in asian culture getting that job right especially in yeah. asian culture for sure not only is it so especially in asian culture but man it's so looked up to in mm-hmm. that culture like yeah it's glorified are, for sure they're so excited yeah. to say that your son's a doctor that your son's got a phd or something mm-hmm. um <laughs> so i feel like it's so weird i can't imagine what what um a lot of the older asians think when someone says their son's like an influencer you're a tiktoker huh <laughs> imagine <laughs> going to your asian grandma your chinese grandma <laughs> i'm a tiktoker <laughs> do a little dance uh, but i there's just so many ways that we can like try to go about it but it's so difficult because i think people realize like if you if they just drop their main like Mm -hmm. hustle for their side hustle like all the risk for sure all the risk is there and it's like such a nerve-wracking thing to do Mm -hmm. so i think for me personally when i when i went through the same things similar things that you did where I was um, starting to be an engineer and that was my main focus. But at the same time, I was like, I love this bodybuilding thing. So I'm just going to do it and I have no clue where the fuck it's going. Mm -hmm. I really didn't have a plan either. I didn't have a plan at all. And did you ever feel like you had anxiety about like your future at any point? Um, I was so young. Maybe it was naive, but not, not really. I would stress more so about am I performing on the field than I would more so about how am I going to do this in three years? So because my stuff was so day-to-day performance oriented, I didn't, I almost didn't have the mental space or capacity to think so far in advance. And also when you're a kid, you are a little bit naive. You don't think about like when I was 15 years old and I just started social media, I was just like, this is cool. Like this, I gamified it, right? Like my numbers are Mm -hmm. going up and stuff. So I wasn't thinking, how can I make a career out of this? Or how am I going to support a family out of this or anything like that? Really? It was super day to day at that point. Well, the thing is, I think that those things are linked together, right? For sure. Your ability or um, your level of performance on the field is linked to your future in that sport. Mm -hmm. So obviously when we go to school and we want to have good grades, that's us thinking like, are we going to be success, successful yeah. in this Stepping field that we're focusing so hard on? Mm-hmm. But then a lot of us end up not even liking it anyways later. Yeah. So honestly, I think one of the nicest things and the most beautiful things about this world, being able to have like a passion, having right. the opportunity to have a passion on the side if you want to, to just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, maybe the opportunity comes up where you can start making that take up more of your life and help become something that sustains your living. For sure. But that that also kind of sucks sometimes because when you turn your passion into a job, it becomes a A job. It becomes a weight. Yeah. So since like today, now that you're doing content, you're bulking, you changed around your, your, like direction in mm-hmm. bodybuilding 
versus all the way back then when you were focusing on football? Like you've had a lot of like different, I, I think you just have seem to have had like a lot of changes in your path in the last seven or eight years. For sure. And at such a young age already. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in the next seven or eight years. But in that time, do you feel like there's any time that you failed? Hmm. I think there was a time period after I stopped playing football where I felt like that, where I felt like I'd quit because I dedicated so much of that initial stages of my platform to almost proving myself to not just be the shredded kid. I wanted to be the footballer. So like when I came off the field and I fully went into being like, oh, I'm doing bodybuilding and stuff. There's a part of me like inside that still kind of wanted that path in that direction just because I dedicated so much of my childhood to it. When was this? It's like when I was like... 15 to 17, that whole kind of that whole time frame, there's this like confliction of obviously there's an opportunity here. Uh, and I saw the opportunity. 15 is when you blew up. Yeah. So 15 is when right. my platform started to pop off and 17 is when I stopped playing or 18, I guess was when I stopped playing football really. So that, that time period, there was like a lot of confliction within my head where I was trying to do what was right from like an opportunity perspective and take a hold of whatever opportunities were presented with to me because I knew I was super blessed to be able to have the platform to share my knowledge and information and also blessed with the opportunities that came from that platform, which was traveling and meeting new people and getting the opportunity to train with Mr. Olympias. And as I'm training with Mr. Olympias, I'm going to the field the next day by myself with my cones and doing all these things. So I dedicated so much time into being like, I'm going to be a pro footballer. And uh, the social media thing is just basically was my side hustle. And so as soon as I stopped playing football, I lost a little bit of that direction. And I felt a little bit like a, I had, I had quit the, I, and I had always pr- like prided myself on, I'm never going to like quit because that's the one thing I can control is how much work I put into it. And that's why like, even when I played football and I was up at like 4am or whatever, it was something that I prided myself on because I knew that whatever the outcome is of the sport or the social media platforms or the schoolwork that I was doing, I got exactly what I worked for. So I could get all the benefits, but I could also say, take accountability and say, whatever I didn't get was because I didn't put enough effort into it. And so when I stopped playing football, it was like that loss of direction made me feel like a kind of a quitter. And that in the back of my mind kind of like lit a fire. And I think that's still to this day is like, I got to like make something of myself and put the opportunities that I've been gifted with and blessed with to use. Nice. Yeah. But what made you, what was the main reason that made you quit football? I loved, I think I just loved bodybuilding and training so much. Um, and I think you can see it in my early videos. Like I just love being in the gym and talking about training, talking about getting a pump and like all these silly little things. And I knew that like, okay, if I'm training for football, and I'm training five hours, four and a half hours a day with my team. And I'm still finding time to go into the weight room by myself just because I love it. There's obviously some sort of passion there. And then obviously social media played a role to a certain extent because I saw the opportunity where I could, you know, make more opportunities and meet more people. I was having a good time when I was traveling for social media, for fitness and bodybuilding and stuff. And I think like truly for like, like from the bottom of my heart, I genuinely loved the sport of bodybuilding. And to this day, I still do. Like I still get goosebumps when I'm training with Mr. Olympia or like meeting these people at these fitness expos or when people say that they follow my fitness content, it's like, that's so cool to me because it's just like, that's my everything. 
I love training so much. I know I wouldn't be here without training. And from day one, I was in the gym by myself, no cameras, 4 a.m. And that's how like everything sparked in the first place. So I've just always had this passion for lifting. And even as I was playing football and training for football, I was like, man, like I just love this lifting stuff so much. And then that opportunity kind of came in with like social media that I could make something that's more than just me loving it out of it. And so I was like, okay, I can't pass up on this. Until we go to zoo culture and your rest sets are like 20 minutes. Cause yeah, but that's pictures. fine. Even, <laughs> yeah. Even that though. Like I love like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can't complain. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just making jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I see the subconscious, like little irritation that goes on in her faces sometimes. When well, it's more so like when we're our... filming content too, at the same time. Yeah, I know it just makes it so <laughs> bad. Dude. It's like, I, I love meeting people, but I don't like filming the content sometimes. Cause it's just like, I, like I said, I love training. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the content just takes out so much from the training sometimes. Like yeah. there's only those few times where I feel like you can get like the perfect video and you also had a savage training session yeah but it's just because like everything was on point and it's like your videographer was taking care of everything else yeah you know when you wish it went hand in hand because then you would get like a crazy pump from the good session and then you get the good content at the same time but it oh just my God. never <laughs> you get like performance anxiety when you're shooting content yeah man i always feel like like you know how we we both go hard as fuck whenever yeah. we go train but for mm-hmm. some reason when i like I don't know. There's something about like being on video where I'm like, I need to be even more perfect. Yeah. Like something about my, my form, my sets. You're going to be critiqued. Maybe yeah. I need to go harder. Maybe I need to just like, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, honestly, I was actually on this like video. I was on this, um, it was kind of like a Jubilee video. I was just doing it for fun. Cause I, anything that gets me anxious, I kind of want to like just do it so I can get, overcome it. Right? right. Like needles was something that was like one of my biggest fears for the, like the longest time. Yeah. And then whenever I realized that my like natural testosterone level was just not coming back very mm-hmm. healthily, I was just like, honestly, the more I do it, maybe the more I'll get over it. Same <laughs> thing with blood work. Same thing with blood work. So wait, what was the Jubilee video? How did you do with that? Oh fuck dude. <laughs> so like, I get like really nervous on, I still get nervous on camera mm-hmm. even to this day. Yeah. Like my biggest thing is like, I try to just be myself and that makes it the easiest. But I realized recently that I actually have trouble getting into a character. Like I, I can't really do it. Like yeah. I, I think I'm just a bad actor to be honest. Yeah. And the thing about these videos, like I'm not trying to call anyone out cause I don't want people to think like, oh, these videos are fake. Cause they're not. There's all like a lot of things that like people organically made up themselves, mm-hmm. but in the video that I was with, like the people that I was doing it with had like, at least I don't know about the girls, but the guys all like created their own character. Right. So I had like these two comedians beside me and then the other two guys next to me, they turned to each other and they're like, should we do accents? And they're like, fuck yeah. And then one decided to do a Russian accent. The other one decided to do a British accent. Yeah. The Russian, they both said the, uh, the director said, oh, okay, just do the, the accent for the first round. Yeah. The Russian stopped the first round, but the other guy just kept doing the British accent through the, the entire time. And yeah. obviously he won because the British accent so fucking attractive. <laughs> <laughs> but like the entire time that I was doing the video, like it was just, uh, I didn't really have um, many things to say. And I felt like if I, like if I created a character for myself, it would be a lot easier for me to just blurt things out. Mm. Things that I think could be funny or things that I think could at least be engaging. But um, if I'm just like being myself, honestly, it's just a lot more difficult. And that's just something that like gives me a little bit of anxiety. So I like put myself in the space to do it. I don't even know why we were talking about this. I had a point and I don't remember what it was. Just the anxiety of being on camera and being yourself on camera. You said? Yeah. But what were we mentioning before that? 
I don't know. I think you were talking about, I don't know. You talked about needles or something. You just threw needles in there randomly. <laughs> we're talking about, maybe we were just talking about being on camera. <laughs> God damn it. Dude. Yeah, you're still talking about being on camera. Like uh, you, you just feel better, less anxious being authentically yourself. Maybe that's what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes being on camera is just a little bit more difficult, but for honestly, sure. that's why I like the podcast space because sometimes it's easier for me to just forget the cameras on and I'm just talking to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, we have a lot of conversations off camera, so it's it's very it's, it is very similar. Um, especially with long form content, I feel like you're just able to articulate yourself a little bit better. You don't feel like you need to have some sort of timestamp on it where it's this short clip because that seems to be the, like the the formula now for social media is having these clips that go viral or pop off or anything like that. When you have the platform to do something that is a little bit more long form, you can actually articulate yourself a little bit better. Not to say that everybody's going to listen to it because a lot of people will just watch the clips. But for you personally, as someone who is performing, it makes it a little bit easier. You have the time to say your opinion and speak and right. don't feel rushed. And then we have context. Yeah. And that I think is sure. the most important part. That's everything. How many, many clips are taken out of context and all these people have yeah. like the most savage flaming content or yeah. con- comments. The streamers. <laughs> the streamers. Like poor Eric Janicki and freaking even Larry, Larry from people just assuming that they're lying about what they're taking. Yeah. Just things yeah. like that all the time. There's mm-hmm. so many, many clips taken out of context, but for sure at the same time, like, do you, do you do a lot of mini clips? Do you focus on making a lot of like, do you make short TikToks? Form. Yeah. Do you do a lot of like, so like TikTok, short, short, my form? only short form content is from like Instagram reels or Instagram like videos and stuff. And all of my posts, you'll notice like I'll do some edits and stuff, some cool little like motivational things just cause I, mm-hmm. I like the cinematography aspect of it. Like putting yeah, together cool edit. Right. That's what I find interesting and that's what's like my entire explore feed but um most of my stuff is pretty raw it's like just training clips like me doing a heavy dumbbell press set or something like that hmm. okay yeah I, I just nowadays if anyone's really interested in getting the content creation for sure mini clips are the way to go 100 like mm-hmm. everyone i know who has like an amazing engaging audience as well it's like doing really well has come from them engaging with their tiktok audience hmm. it just seems very easy for people to just consume that and if you're doing tiktoks where or mini clips where for example you're just talking to your audience it's literally like throwing out a crap ton of mini youtube vlogs yeah all out oh and everybody has short attention spans and that's not like i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just Mm -hmm. um the way that you have to give information out has to be a little bit faster pace at least in the delivery of it so podcast in itself even though it's a long form platform or um, media form it's still clippable like you people will still watch the clips from the podcast even though it is so long form Mm -hmm. i like that it's not i think a lot of mini clips though are i feel like a lot of mini clips have to be scripted or Mm. are normally best when performed a little scripted yeah maybe like at least you write out like the kind of idea of what you want to put out there Mm -hmm. but you know, you see little tiny cuts in between every few seconds on like TikTok. I can't stand that, dude. <laughs> really? Why? I just don't like listening to strung together sentences when people can't speak fluently. Like I, it's just, I would rather hear the likes and the uhs and the ands and the pauses than hearing every three seconds, a like jump cut. Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> and people don't know how to blend their audio across all their audio. So you hear the clipping of the wind every time they talk. <laughs> it's the little things that frustrate me, man. Damn. <laughs> Okay, I want to backtrack a little bit, but sure. So you um you were with your family and your parents up till around 
15? Yes. Uh, yes, 15. And then you were gone for a year, 16. And then, so you went, did you go back home? So between those trips, like I spent like four months and I came back and I went to LA for a little bit. Or sorry, no, four months, came back, went for another three months, came back, then like went to London for a little bit. So it was kind of like split up across those two years. And then the final one was like, okay, I went to LA and then we ended up staying in LA for a little bit. And I had a mat, like a bunch of opportunities come up after like just, that was just for fitness stuff. And so, uh, kind of after that point, I was like, it was kind of the end of the, like the soccer travel or football travel. You and your parents and your my brothers, brothers? just yeah. you and your brother. Mostly, mostly myself, and my brothers, my parents would like come down with us every once in a while, but not Are your parents still in Toronto. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you and your brothers went to where it was and then LA when you were yeah, so the age of 16. Myself and my brothers went to Spain and London together. Mm-hmm. I was doing trials in both places. And then as soon as we came back, that was sort of like around the 2020 time. We're like, oh, let's, I was supposed to move over to Spain to play for an academy over there. But then the pandemic hit, Spain got shut down really hard. They basically said like, you can come, but you're going to stay inside the hotel the entire time. You're going to have food brought to you. You need to have like sheets of paper to go outside of the hotel any anything like that and then um so i was like you know what, i'll just take the time because then initially it was like oh it's gonna be like two weeks or whatever and we'll just go to la for a little bit and just see how it is and then when we went down to los angeles we met a ton of people a ton of different people some of the nelk boys spent more time with brad larry all these different guys and started to have these real opportunities come up with the platform we'll get right back to the podcast in a second but i just wanted to take this break to thank you guys immensely because this podcast is my favorite content to create and I couldn't have done it without you guys. Contributing to it will further help its growth and allow us to listen to more amazing guests such as the one you're listening to today. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating us a five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcast or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And if you would like to help fund the podcast, you can do so by using Nile for a discount off of Young LA Clothing or Huge Supplements. Thank you guys again so much. We'll be right back to the podcast. So for the first 15 years then, like, was it online schooling or was it? No, it was, I was in school until 15, until I moved to Spain. Okay. Until you did. Did you ever feel like you encountered bullying? Yeah, for sure. Like little bouts of it as most people do primarily because of my height. But I, I was always, I was never like the bullied kid. I was, I was always like pretty in tune with like, like I was, I was, I was in, I, I don't know. Like I, I talked with people, I was social, but, um, I had hints of it where like, I, I guess I developed some degree of insecurities around myself. And I think that was more so when I was even younger. And it sometimes it is subtle things where you're just like, you don't even recognize it until like later. And you look back and you're like, oh, okay. Like maybe that was like why I was insecure about particular things. Like one of the reasons I got into weightlifting was because I was insecure. And I think that's what a lot of people get into it for. I felt like I was skinny. I felt like I was small. I was weak. I didn't have like any self-confidence really. And, and then as soon as I found something where I was able to control, then I kind of latched onto it. And the gym was that because directly, like I said, the outcomes of like what you get is what you put into it. So when I got into the gym and I started seeing results, I was like, Oh, I can lift more 
weight week over week mentally I'm progressing and then I see in the mirror some physical changes and then I'm like oh I can put my nutrition into this as well and make even more gains it was something that I really latched onto because I felt like I couldn't control anybody else's opinions or anything like that but if I went into the gym and I worked hard I could control the outcomes of that damn yeah there's there's no better revenge than progression Mm. (laughs) none dude when it comes to bullying when it comes to a breakup when it comes to anything, man, I just swear there's no better revenge than progression. Mm-hmm. What exactly, like, if you don't mind me asking, it's a little personal, you don't have to answer this, of course, mm-hmm. but, like, what exactly would people say in, in what kind of situations? Um, people call me, like, a short midget dwarf. Like, it's not, it's just words, right? And I think I realized that as I got into, even more so as I got into social media. But those sort of things, like, they kind of seep into you and you start to feel... Like, oh, like maybe this is something that I should be just less than. Yeah. Like maybe this is something that I should be insecure about. And then I guess eventually like you get to the point where it's like you realize that you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, like once I realized that it was it was a really harsh like turning point where I was like, you know what? I can't control it. And there was a lot of things that people could control. That, that was sort of like my my thing. I was like, you know, you can control like how you look to a certain degree as far as like physique goes. You can control like the efforts you put in, but I can't control my height. So why am I going to stress about what other people think about that? Like if somebody has something to say about your height or how you look or whatever it is, and you have zero control over it, that's their problem. Like you, you can't, you can't change that. So you might as well focus on the things that you can change. Yeah. That's what I thought about dick size. And so James with this other guy <laughs> told me you could do dick exercises to make it bigger. Yeah, maybe with all the like new advancements and like implants and all these different things you could fix. Like I have you heard about the the height surgeries where people are like extending yeah, their knee? The like, femur? Yeah, yeah. Like it's crazy, bro. <laughs> maybe. Maybe if I was like 15 and insecure again. <laughs> I have not not thought about that. <laughs> Dude, and like the way that they have to go to therapy and like run again, some of them like, it's nuts, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Some of them like successfully just, they just run normally again and everything just seems fine. Yeah. But like, I don't think that cures your insecurities because I don't know. I think there was a, there's like a journal about one guy though, who's like so much happier. And then he talked about how much like more matches he gets. His depression just goes all the way down. His Tinder (laughs) matches go up. Oh, it's so Conventional crazy. scale of attractiveness. Just every woman thinks he's more attractive. <laughs> Man, it's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's like how much do you comp- how much do you care? Not just about the comparisons between others, right? Because yeah. that's that's something we all think about. But For also, sure. just like how much do you care about your uh, quote unquote like status mm. or your. Um, I see it as like a level of survival, like a modern level of survival, yeah. right? Um, because like if you're always comparing from comparing to someone else, then there's always going to be someone else that feels like they're better off than you. There's always going to be someone else that feels like they can acquire a better partner than you or yeah. a better house than you or acquire something better than you, like always, right? But we're all born from such a different world. right? And that's that's what just tears us all apart. That's what tears us apart all the time. Like if you wake up, you didn't get enough sleep and you feel a little depressed. What's the the easiest thing to do the moment you like look on social media and you see someone's like engagement numbers? Mm. What's the easiest thing to do when you like see that 
someone won a show when you didn't. Do you do that now? As far as social media numbers go? What? Compare. I think comparison, I think I encounter comparison all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, it's just, it's not even something that happens on purpose, right? Yeah. It's like, subconscious sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It just comes all the time. For sure. Um, it, it's actually a really, really difficult conscious effort for me to remind myself there's no fucking point. Mm. There's no point. Like there's literally no point in comparing comparing with this person. Like I am special with who I am. Like, and I think true confidence, which is a really difficult thing, but true confidence comes from being able to accept you and your own um, faults, whatever they may be. Right. It doesn't mean like thinking you're perfect or mm. wanting to be perfect, but it's like understanding that you're not, and still having that. Um, the confidence right. in what you are, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, man. Shit's hard. Yeah, no kidding. I think, I don't know, man. I think maybe women are better at that. Maybe you guys, maybe, maybe it's better for us just to like distract ourselves with like fixing the lawnmower or going to the gym. Yeah, I think it exists in different manners for males and females, different sort of comparisons. Do you feel like you ever encounter that? As far as comparison goes? Yeah, comparing yourself. Yeah, I catch myself a lot. Cause like I went into a really dark place when I when I kept comparing constantly and I realized that like none of that helped anything at all in my life ever. What what did um constantly comparing constantly look like? <laughs> like I I don't know, just like it, it, it was very subconscious. You look on social media and you see someone as someone something as simple as someone's physique or something as simple as someone's engagement. Like those are two things that are like do not affect you. In, in, in any way, shape, or form in real life. Mm-hmm. But just the the mental thought, like the, the saying comparison is a thief of joy never rings true when it comes to social media because there will always be someone who's a little bit higher. Like when, when are you going to be satisfied when you have more followers than The Rock, more followers than Cristiano Ronaldo, right. Kylie Jenner, any of these people? And then at that point, it's like these people are up there and they have their own insecurities about stuff that they maybe can't even change at all. Mm-hmm. And so... I think you have to come to the realization for yourself that you're doing whatever you're doing for you and it may be to help other people, but you're not doing it for validation necessarily from those people that you're getting likes, comments, receipts from, like whatever in social media. I think a lot of us don't even realize that we want it sometimes. The validation? No, we want the chase. Oh, right. Yeah, we, yeah. Like the comparison, part of the comparison is like the chase. Mm-hmm. So an example is um, a personal example, I'd say not sure how closely this applies, but I feel it does. One of the things that I wanted most in my life was just to get the body I wanted. That's mm-hmm. it. I just wanted to get the body I wanted and I'd be confident in it. I'd be happy with it. Right. And it didn't have to be anyone else's body. It just had to be my body, but the way you wanted it to be with like this much more muscle and then yeah. like this much less body fat and then just, like healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And that was me when I was a kid, when I was super, super bullied, right? All the way up till middle school, always bullied for being overweight, short, and Asian. Lived in Texas, just very, very outcast, Very looked very, very different from everybody else. Kind of like your poster boy, bow bun boy. <laughs> but uh, then after acquiring that, was very happy about it, mm-hmm. but that wasn't that wasn't it that wasn't the end right for some reason that just wasn't the end for some reason there was something a little bit more i could get 
And that could be gaining more followers. Mm-hmm. That could be having my success seen more. That could be like impacting more people and like showing more workouts. Yeah. It was a lot of different things. Some things were what I feel like would be like fulfilling and deep. And some things were absolutely what would be considered shallow. Mm -hmm. I wanted all of it. And um, then in San Diego, there was a point where like, I feel like I grew so much. And when it came to the content space, there was not many content creators in San Diego. And I don't want to say this like sounding, I'm just saying what I observed, but I felt like I was the only one really doing it. Right. So like, I felt basically like I was the top at what I was doing there. There wasn't very many content creators and the ones that did were like really new and small. I didn't have anyone to collaborate with. I didn't have anyone to work with. I was very alone. There was not really even any video editors or videographers there. Very, very like fucking significantly less than here. So what did I do? I feel like I had the opportunity to just be happy with what I had. Mm -hmm. I think I had the opportunity to just view everything that I had, be grateful for it and be like, that's good. But that's not what I want because I don't think happiness is just something we can acquire, right? It's a signaling. Every time you get something more, every time you improve, you feel happy about it. But then the happiness goes away until it's neutral again. I realized what I wanted was growth. And so I moved to LA. And then that is where I was surrounded by so many people that are better than me. Mm. Just so many people, bro. And that shit's intimidating because I look left and I look right and I compare. Yeah. I look left, I look right, and there's fucking... There's a fucking the TikTok star we were talking about that's getting $10 million yeah. on Snapchat in one month. And I'm just like, what the hell am I doing with my life, man? I'm working so hard. Am I doing anything? Am I like doing anything on purpose? Like that's what starts going through my mind. Like, am I even like, like, could I be doing something significantly more right now? Or am I doing this the wrong way? Because am I wasting more time than I should and getting a lot less progression out of it? getting a lot less exposure out of it, getting a lot less success mm. or even like money for a living. I don't know. I'm just wondering these things. But the things that matter to me, right? The number one things that matter to me, I remind myself are not those things. Like the number one things that matter to me is love, is my friends, is my family. Because that's the stuff that keeps me happy no matter what. No matter where I am in life, that's the stuff that makes me fucking happy. And if my friends are happy, if I can do something to help the people that I love around me be happy, that really makes me really happy. But the dopamine rush is nice, right? Dopamine rush is nice to like get really shredded and win a competition or mm. fucking bulk up and then get a bunch of like YouTube videos that like do really, really well on your page. Like you get right. a number one out of 10 on your YouTube video and you're like, fuck yeah, that's sick. Yeah. So I think... I think something important for myself and maybe maybe important for other people is like to realize if we're comparing, it just means we want to be better. It just means we want to grow. Which isn't necessarily but, bad. Which isn't necessarily bad. But there's no point in comparing yourself with someone that isn't Asian, that isn't, how tall are you? Five five. That isn't five five. Six one in Air Force Ones. 
Nice. Six one in the Air Force once. <laughs> that isn't named Tristan Lee. Yeah. There's just no point, bro. There's literally no point. It's just so hard to remind ourselves that. But like, I think it's something that we should just write on like a whiteboard on our wall. For sure. Like every time we wake up, just like look at it and be like, don't forget, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. You know? That's why I always say comparison is a thief of joy. Right. It is 100%. But striving for more, like you listen to Huberman, you listen to all these, like these guys, right? Yeah, love them. So dopamine's not from like the result, right? It's from chasing something. Right. So like like you're saying, when you're chasing numbers, when you're chasing reaching a certain goal, and I think almost every athlete has talked about this or any successful athlete, Eddie Hall with the 500 kilogram deadlift afterwards went into the biggest depression of his life, he said, because you get this high from everything is all on this one goal. And as soon as I have it, as soon as I have it, I'll be happy. And then you have it. And it's like, what's different? What's changed? I'm still, you still go, you're still going to lie in the same grave, right? Or you're mm-hmm. still going to have the same in a more positive terms. You're still going to have the same family behind you. Obviously your family's going to be happy for you, but your friends are going to be there. And these are the people that really matter. So all the accolades, the success, the fame, the money, the clout, all these different things don't mean anything at the end of the day. If you don't have your loved ones around you, if you don't have your friends around you, and if you're not able to like really genuinely do what you're passionate about. So that's why I always try to set my focus on is that at the end of the day, like once I have this materialistic thing and materialistic could be anything as far as like even something as simple as likes or engagement. Um, how is that genuinely going to change my life? And um, you get to a certain point, obviously money is a resource, and I know you've probably experienced this as well. It's like, it, it only takes you so far when it comes to happiness. It allows you to do things that can make you happy and provide you with joy, but you still have the same friends. You still have the same family and you still have the same passions that you need to fulfill rather with the money or without. And you know, what's something that's kind of crazy is like, I've, I've noticed as long as like you're in a certain threshold mm-hmm. above like what is actually necessary for survival. Yeah. I've realized like having the number in your bank, whether it's bigger or smaller, is it's it's really all your mental perspective of yeah, like the man. opportunities you have. Yeah, you just crazy. feel like you have more opportunities. Especially when you're numbers oriented. I don't know, like it's just like something that's like is there legitimately is a chase, like a rush mm-hmm. to, to chasing certain things, right? And something that's quantifiable like that mm-hmm. or objective is like, oh, I can just reach out to this one step, one step, one step. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately wanna, unfulfilling. I want to know if you feel this, but first I'm going to ask you your perspective. When in the process of trying to acquire something, (laughs) do you feel the biggest rush? Hmm. I would say when you first lay out the plan, because then you don't experience any of like the down, the downfalls, you know what I mean? It's like when you have, you set your goal on something, Oh, I'm going to do this show. And then you're like, Oh, the first few months are going to be bulking and the next few months are going to be cutting and the next few months are going to be bulking. And, and you kind of like, this is very like uh, shallow, but you have that plan and everything is like, okay, now I got to just go do it. But then it's also like, but I kind of just, I kind of just did it in my head. Like I kind of already just planned it out. Like that was the kind of the exciting part. Like, so it's like, I think that first step of like, planning out getting to the goal gets people really fired up Mm. and then a lot of people have difficulty stepping right taking the action right i think you and i are on a very 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 similar page on this and i feel like the biggest rush is when you feel like you're about to get it yeah i think that's the biggest rush 
and it's bigger than when you fucking get it. Yeah, for sure. And it's crazy, dude. Um, this is just a little story. It's it's a little different because I changed my mind, my perspective on purpose. But when I was trying to get my pro card, I'm not like any of these people like Anton or anyone else. I'm not that special, bro. I'm just some fucking small. You need small. to have him on here. I'm some, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, James and I were talking to him on the last podcast. So talking about him. So hopefully maybe it gets his attention. Yeah. Guys, send Anton a DM. Tell him to come on Transparent. But um, when I was fighting for my pro card, unlike all these amazing people, unlike James who got it on the first try, I had to go through nine shows, dude. Nine competitions. Small ass little Asian boy just wanted his pro card. And it was like five national shows. So, and I mean, like, I'll be honest, like I was natural for like the first six to seven. So Mm -hmm. I guess doing national shows as a natural, like maybe like looking back on it now, I should have expected that it would be as hard as it was, but you know, I didn't really understand. The naivety kept you going though. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand steroids really. I knew that it was probably, probably super important, but I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so I just remember every time I'd get 16th plus place at nationals and I'd be like, fuck dude, mm. fuck. Like, and it wasn't even just like that kind of fuck. It was more like, it's like where your heart just feels like it drops to your feet. Was that like a big failure moment that you yeah. felt like? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Sure. Big failure moment. And it happened so many times in a row. Mm-hmm. So there was one point where like I would wake up in the middle of the night crying because I had dreamt that I won my pro card. But when I woke up, I realized it wasn't true. and um so i think i was just feeling a rush every time i got close like when i won overall i was like fuck Mm. i'm almost there but then i'd go to nationals and would crush it again and it crushed it so many times to the point where i was like this is never going to happen it's probably never going to happen so every time i need to absolutely have zero expectations Mm. zero expectations zero expectations zero expectations expectations of suffering so when i went to the last two nationals and i finally jumped on some orals too i was just expecting absolutely nothing Mm. and i think because of that the excitement i got was less but i knew that also i would be let down a lot less too because my expectations were so much lower right you know i wasn't being let down so by the time I got my fi- my uh, my pro card, man, I got my pro card and I didn't feel anything. Like the second that that I was placed the place that I needed to get my pro card and then they handed it to me, I was just like, wow, this is cool. But I like felt like I didn't feel anything, man. And it was really, really weird. Mm. And I think I, maybe, I don't know if this is related to just... Uh, there's some perspectives where people, where, I don't know what cultures it, it, it or religions it's ingrained in, but having no expectations, like there's a lot of monks that uh, expect absolutely nothing. So right. they feel nothing, right, during the path. But then when it actually happens, they feel everything. Um, so I don't know how that relates to this, but basically I didn't feel anything until like weeks after. It started settling in. Yeah. And I think I, my mindset, my perspective slowly started changing, realizing like what I had acquired over the years. Do you think you'd rather have felt something then? That's the thing that always, that's the thing that plagues my mind is Aubrey Marcus. Okay. I got a question for you first. <sighs> it's kind of a weird question, but 
in your own words, if you had uh, like a sentence that you could just create as an answer to this yourself from your perspective, what do you think is the nectar of life? Hmm. Sentence or word? Uh, just anything, a sentence. Like, what do you think is the nectar of life? Like, hmm. this, like just the sweet juice, you know? I think family. Family? I think that's the only thing. Like when, I th- when I think about the only thing that's fulfilling in life is to serve God, obviously, and then to have a family that you can raise. Like, I think that once I have a family and once I have children, nothing else will, will matter. And I think you hear that from a lot of parents as well. Like nothing, as soon as you have kids, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. But now that like you, when you, as you kind of like go through things and I'm still 21 years old, obviously, and I don't know a lot, like I'm still very young and probably still very naive, but you kind of realize that like these little things, just nothing really matters other than like, like when I think about my parents and what they were able to give me, if I'm able to do uh thousandth of what they did for me for my kids i think that would be the most fulfilling thing in the world yeah yeah i love that i dude really quick analogy that i was thinking of is uh you know if you like have you ever played runescape yeah (laughs) okay so you know like um like you like acquire like a new level Mm -hmm. like like um you just reached like level 100 in your combat obviously 126 or whatever at the time back then was like the max yeah but like you level you level up to like level 100 in your combat level you're like holy fuck that feels so good (laughs) right and it's awesome as achievement and it's kind of cool because it's like it's like there for you now permanently so um you always get a good feeling about it but like the moment you get it it's high and then it starts decreasing over time as long as you have it right but then you think of the memories of if you ever like did a raid with all your friends or something and those are like the funnest times yeah. ever bro yeah and you can just keep doing them all the time right as many times as you want to that your friends are available you can just keep hanging out on them and doing a rave like that is honestly so much so much more sustaining of just absolute joy mm-hmm. than just acquiring that thing that you wanted yeah that's what i think for sure it's a little weird analogy but i was just, no, just in the corner of my I mind i agree <laughs> nile add thoughts anyways i was talking about this with a, a friend of mine um and this is what i think of as the nectar of life and this is based off of what someone else actually told her but um she said that uh the nectar of life is she said the nectar of life is feeling everything to the greatest extent feeling everything to the greatest extent while reacting minimally. And so I added on to that to complete the sentence out of my own perspective is the nectar of life is feeling everything to the greatest extent while reacting minimally and responding with love. Mm. So from what you were saying earlier about like the competition stuff, it's a hard call, dude, whether or not I want to numb myself or whether I want to feel it all. Because if I numb myself all through life, I feel like I've, I feel like I'm not really experiencing what life's here for. Can't experience the highs without the lows, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that's also hard, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we feel like we're in a place where we're only experiencing lows, or we're experiencing really, really, really heavy lows compared to the highs. So you just would rather numb it all out. It makes it hard. It'd be easier that way for sure. 
Yeah, it would be, it would make things easier. But I do think just feeling, like feeling those emotions, feeling the ups and downs, I think that's what makes life so juicy. Yeah, being present in the moment, I think that's definitely massive because you can get caught up in the chase. Like you're saying, the dopamine rush is from the chase. But if you're never present in the moments, then you look back, you know, 10 years down the line, you're like, like, what even just happened? And then you get to your deathbed and it's like, I just lived my entire life chasing the next moment and you're at the end of your life and you didn't experience any of the moments that were right in front of you. Yeah, dude. It's like running away from it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of regrets, a lot of deathbed regrets related to that. Mm -hmm. Just running away from things that they wish they didn't run away from. For sure. Or avoiding experiences that they wish they experienced. Yeah. For sure. If you feel like any of the medications that we spoke about today may benefit you, such as BPC-157, GH acritagogues such as tessamorelin, IGF-1, oxandrolone troche, semaglutide, then you can obtain these from Transit HRT, and the link for that will be in the bio. If you feel like you're experiencing symptoms of low testosterone, such as depression, anxiety, lack of motivation, as well as lack of sex drive, then you can get this checked out as well by getting your blood work done at Transcend, and they will provide you expert medical analysis. Transcend HRT has worked with many professional bodybuilders and pro athletes, such as Thor Bjornsson, Phil Heath, and Jeremy Buendia. And if you feel like this podcast has any relevancy to you, I do believe that this clinic will provide a great benefit to you as well. What What are your thoughts on uh, What are your thoughts on love and um, family life in the future? And if this kind of helps, like being only twenty one, how do you feel like with like the extraordinary commitment that you've had as an athlete in this path has affected your love life? Oh, it's definitely a hundred percent. And I wouldn't even say as an athlete, I would say as like uh, the dedication to like building the platform that we've built myself and my brothers, not just me as an individual, it's them as well, for sure. hundred percent. And the fam, my family, how, how much they've given to me to help with that. Um, it's a lot of time. Like it's a, it's a lot of time spent um, put into, put into work, even though it doesn't seem like work that could be spent, put into relationships. And I kind of tried the little bit of like the social thing for a little bit. What do you mean? Like going out and meeting new people and kind of trying to find, not trying to find a relationship, but being more open to a relationship yeah. for a long time. I was very closed off to it. At least stepping out of the space. And I think I came to a little bit of a realization that like, I'm still not at that point yet in my life. And I think I will be within the next couple of years, even like as soon as two years. But right now, uh, I am very focused on setting myself up in a position that would allow for one, like personal growth to the level where I'm actually ready for a relationship, but then also obviously being able to support a family in the long run. So those are like, although, although like you can try to do both at the same time, I know, I, I know, and you've probably experienced the same thing. It's extremely difficult to balance going all in on, especially now with like the nature of social, what social media is. Anybody who tries on social media now, it is very easy to, there's, there's very little gatekeepers to get into it, but it's difficult to build something that's going to sustain you for a long time. So for me, like I love social media. I love what it is. But I want to make sure that whatever work that I'm doing is sustainable enough, at least to support myself and my family in the long run. 
Yeah, dude. Honestly, talking about this with you like hell excites me because like I'm like so eager to see where you're gonna be like I don't know three even five years from now, especially in terms of this because bro, this is exactly what I'm going through right now and I am struggling. <laughs> I'm fucking struggling, man. Like that. This was like my biggest issue in my last relationship was I was too overly focused on the career where I didn't make enough time. I just didn't make enough time for the relationship that required a lot more responsibility than I gave it. Right. So obviously now after having learned that lesson, it's a lot easier for me to not make that mistake this time. Um, and I see that in the actions that I, you know, that I do with any people that I engage in like such a way. Mm. But I for I think similarly to you though even now at this age like I know that I'm looking for something more serious at this point and I don't want to feel like I'm chasing it because sometimes I like thinking I like the thought of like when you don't chase things so hard they kind of just come to you yeah it's kind of how it happens most of the time at least for my relationships whenever I did want a relationship that's when I had to for I sure just had to end up in one but um I'm at the age where I'm like this is definitely a good time to like mm -hmm. be serious about this. I think in the same way you put yourself in positions to open up doors with social media or business and stuff like going to an expo, we'd be like, Oh, I don't know who I'm going to meet who may be a podcast guest or whatever. Or like networking as everybody says in yeah. LA, which I honestly, it's a silly term. It's really just like, <laughs> I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of the term either. But. Yeah. The same thing with relationships, right? Like as soon as you're ready to have a relationship, you can't expect it to just fall in your lap when you have all the doors closed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what you were saying earlier, honestly, about like you tried to do the whole social thing, like, <laughs> which is honestly hilarious for me to like, like try to visualize for you. But I, uh, my thought is like, you have, there's like a lot of possibility there and a lot of opportunity for, there for you to meet someone mm -hmm. in that social space, but it's hard for me to like envision you there. And that's why I feel like it's also not necessarily um, going to be the place with the highest chance that you might find the person. Oh, I agree for sure. Like, 100%. like I honestly feel like, um, you know, this might not happen, but like you might find this person in uh, honestly like a gym or you might find this person like, do you see Well, I mean, I saw Will Tennyson just cause Will Tennyson just got married and he, he posted, he got a, married. Yeah. Like he posted a photo with his now wife and he basically said like, Oh, next time you uh, see a girl in the gym and you think she's cute, go up and say hi or whatever. So he, I guess met his wife in the gym, but it's, oh, it's crazy, bro. Let's go. It's That's insane. Sick. It's insane. You just never know where you're going to meet someone. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's cool to be like, to go out into like social situations, but I also can see like, I don't know. I'm not someone to go out to a bar or go out to a club or any of these places where I feel like right. my morals are not, not necessarily morals, but like the things that I dedicate my time to may not align with the people that I meet at those social situations yeah. or in those social situations. So I, I do a hundred percent agree with you. This isn't, this isn't necessarily true. And I hope this doesn't really trigger anybody because I'm not trying to like make a huge generalization, but uh, going out to those clubs and things more than often than not, I feel like the, uh, the relationships that come from that, end up being very short term more often than not versus like other places that you meet people. Do you have a meta analysis to back that up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. 
Honestly, dude, like fucking, if you go rock climbing a lot, you might find a sick rock climbing gal. Maybe. You go snowboarding a lot. I don't know. Maybe you'll just suddenly accidentally Stumble run on. into someone else while they're snowboarding. Oops. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Have your K-drama come to life. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. You're pretty young though, so honestly, I think you uh, have a lot of possibilities, and just there's so much potential. So I think I think the world's looking up for you, man. I hope so. <laughs> have you ever experienced heartbreak? Mm. Not to the degree that most gym bros have, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the only relationship that I was really in was like high school, early high school, and it wasn't like heartbreak. It was mm-hmm. just high school. Like I don't know. I never really experienced that. Damn. Yeah. Pretty I know it's short. It's not really very exciting. I've been so like... That was a terrible story, man. Well, You're I mean, change uh, the story right now. <laughs> she tried to stab me. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, we going there? Imagine. <laughs> I just come up with some crazy story. Oh, shit. No. I was like super um, focused on like... I've always been super like focused on uh, goals of mine and stuff. So I've just never dedicated a lot of time. And that's like probably why... I also haven't had any extreme degree of like heartbreak where I was super torn up about something just because that has been an area of my life that I've like been super dedicated to. Mm, nice, dude. I remember when I was super young and I had like nothing to focus on. Yeah. Like heartbreak was my everything, dude. I was just like so reliant on the validation of this girl. Uh, that's I'm glad that's changed. Yeah. Well, that's a question I like to ask, honestly, every podcast, every bodybuilder that comes on here. I'm always curious. Like, have you experienced, like, what's, what's, I your feel like a lot bro? of them have. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, most people who get into the gym are like, yeah, <laughs> I, I just had a mad breakup and, <laughs> and now I need to go work on myself for a little bit. Yeah. I must, <laughs> I feel like I've had like so many heartbreaks. I feel like really? I've had like countless. Yeah. <laughs> that's now that you told me you've had like you feel like you've had like almost none yeah this is very concerning for me i don't think you should be concerned i'm not normal <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that regard in that regard at least uh, so um this might be a little bit weird to ask now but just out of curiosity what was your relationship with your parents like i was i'm i am super close with both of my parents they're super supportive in every single thing that I do. Like I said, when they sent me off to Spain when I was 15 years old alone and they just had a confidence in what I was doing and essentially every single day of my life, my dad told me, I don't care what you do as long as you give 1000% into it. That confidence in the back of my mind pushed me to limits that I never thought were possible. And it's, it's a very small thing, but all you need is one person or one thing that pushes you like that or gives you that little bit of self-confidence to go forward. And so if I didn't have the parents that I have to support me as well as my brothers, because that's a massive thing as well, we do everything together, that I would be absolutely nowhere, 1,000%. They're the, probably, the, yeah, they're the best parents in the world that I could ever ask for. Damn, that's awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah man. You're going to make me tear up. So like what was... a uh... I love asking this kind of question. I actually got this from Diary of a CEO, the way he asked it, but I think the way that he asked it just makes it so easy to um, get the the kind of explanation. But if I was like a fly on your wall um, up till the age of 15, mm-hmm. what would I see in your household? My dad and I spent, uh, and my brother spent a lot of time together building things. 
So we'd make little games in the house. I used to play hockey, like ice hockey. So we'd make these little like stick, like like puck handling, stick handling games and stuff. And he'd help me like because I wanted to like play hockey. So he helped me build like these training things to to work on my stick handling things like that. And then when I went to soccer, he'd come to the field with me, help me set up cones. He'd pass me the ball like we just pass back and forth things like that. And then my mom was always like super supportive. She'd drive me to whatever I needed to do, like as far as sports go. And yeah, it was like, I honestly, I don't wish that I had more to say as far as negatives, but like I have really had a very blessed upbringing and I'm so grateful for that. Damn, bro. That hits. I always wonder like, how do I want to raise my children? You know, mm-hmm. and for me, sometimes the thing that runs through my head is the opposite of how I was raised. Not necessarily the opposite, but um, there's a lot of things in the way I was raised where I feel like maybe there could have been some more empathy. Yeah. Um, but the way hearing this from you, like it sounds so beautiful to me personally, because I think one of the best things that you can give your child is time, like quality time. I think that's a great love language. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. My dad, my dad's a workhorse and now I only understand it now how much like he works in general to, to have had like supported us during that time. Mm-hmm. And even like to be able to just like do what he wants to do now with us, like if he wants to come out and travel and stuff. So to, for him to be working as hard as he did, as well as making the time to, to like come and come to my soccer games, come to my soccer practice. If I look up into the stands, I see my parents watching or my brothers watching like those little things make the biggest difference in a kid's self-confidence. Even I'm actually, this is kind of crazy, but I'm actually like drawing some lines from my own childhood right now where I'm like realizing like I have, I found myself having similarities with my parents in places I didn't know was because mm-hmm. they were my parents. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like my dad has always been, like uh, a workhorse too. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't really have too much quality time as a child because he was always super busy. Mm-hmm. And then like half the time, half of my childhood, he wouldn't be in the same state. He would be like in some other country somewhere or just anywhere. Like he would be traveling for his work. So I didn't really have much time with him. But he, he was the one in the family that always had a little bit more empathy and would like show some love. So he would provide with like, he would provide through like, you know, food and like the things that I needed. Like he was always there to provide those things. And then he was always there to always provide advice and like, which is great. But um, I guess uh, the quality time is the thing that I feel like I was missing from that. And I realized recently, this is literally just a thought I just had. Um, when I'm in like relationships, sometimes I think I overcompensate with like providing things and like time and like sending things and stuff to like compensate for not spending quality time Mm. or enough quality time. Cause it's like, I would, I think maybe my focus is still a little bit more on work. Yeah. It's tough. And uh, I'm sure you more than I have realized, like even when you're working, um, like I'm sure dad was working to provide for you and your family. Yeah. And so it's like, it's tough to be like, like, why didn't you spend that time with me? You know what I mean? And it can't, it's, it really is difficult to like, you don't want to hold any sort of resentment or anything like that, but it's just something that has affected you in a particular way. And now you're seeing that in your whatever relationships you have. So, yeah. Mind blown. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Life's crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, well, speaking of life being crazy, what do you feel like frightens you most? Frightens me. I'm not scared of a lot of things, actually. Like, mm, failing like the people around me. Like, it's not. It's not really like a. Do you know who Damien Hugh is? His Instagram is Damien the Fat Ass. Oh, I've heard of Damien. Yeah. I don't, I, I haven't He's seen content, but I've heard of him. He, he wanted to do a video with me where he said like, what's facing your biggest fear? And I was like, I don't have any like fears that are like, oh, I'm scared of spiders or I'm scared of like skydiving or whatever. Like I'll do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like the people around me, like, like going back to what we were saying, have supported me so much that I feel like if I don't, if I don't fulfill my like potential that I feel like I have for myself in my own head, and that might just be in my own head, like maybe I'm delusional that I'm letting everybody around me down. And so like, that's probably my biggest fear. I don't want to get to the end of things and, and know that like I could have done more to help the people around me. I could have loved someone more. I could have spent more time or I could have talked to my family more like those sort of things. Like, terrify me i think that's a really great realization to have at the age of 21 man <laughs> seriously i think most people at the age of 21 at least i think I, I i don't think that was like my greatest pretty sure i was more concerned with like am i gonna get a girlfriend <laughs> or or like your heart or like that's going on <laughs> yeah or like if i'm gonna like have to be an engineer yeah. oh yeah or if i'm gonna like get my pro card that was like my concerns but i mean now after all the things i've experienced it took all those experiences to knock me into place and like smack me and make me realize what's, what's, what matters. Yeah. Are you terrified of anything like non, like a sentimental, like, 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 are you scared of like spiders or anything like that? Or is there anything that you'd be like, Oh, I'm never doing that. No chance. I'm scared of heights still. Heights. I've always been scared of heights and I've tried to, overcome them i've slowly gone on more roller coasters we should go skydiving oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) next time on transparent Uh, podcast (laughs) we'll talk uh but i think it's just uh i think heights right now but aside from that yeah um, yeah yeah do you have any um you don't have any like okay non-sentimental fears do you have any of those yeah probably like stranded in the ocean like just, just whoa yeah whoa that's crazy yeah Wait. i don't know i don't know what circumstance like i don't know a plane crash or something or like the boat sinking you get out and you're stranded in the ocean wow that'd be terrifying would it not do you know why what do you, do there's you know no why? escape <laughs> yeah I mean, like, what is the escape that's true there's no escape but <laughs> Like, um, is there anything you feel like from your past that's like no. made you think of the ocean? No, I just know like that I don't know a lot about the ocean and that's probably the most like terrifying part. I think like nobody knows a lot about what's in the ocean. Dude, deep in the ocean? Yeah. That shit's scary as Yeah, hell, there's some man. dinosaurs in there, bro. There's some dinosaurs. Dude, I want to see them. I look, you want to see them, bro. <laughs> if I could get like, if we could just get one of those like super deep diving submarines and stuff. Yeah, but that, go exploring. that sounds like the the incident with the Titanic where they went to go down. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. I don't want anything close to that. Have you ever watched Atlantis? No, no, no. Are you serious? No. With Milo? No, bro. You need to watch the Atlantis. Okay. Yeah. Do you even <laughs> watch movies, bro? Do you even watch anything? Like I said, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever hit a plateau? In what? Anything. Yeah, of course. 
What? Like, I always feel like there's time frames where I'm like, oh, I'm not moving for. Okay, so like legitimate plateau where I think I'm plateaued. Because sometimes I'll be like regressing in a sense. And I'll be like, man, I have no creative ideas. But then it takes me hitting that rut to be like, oh, shit. Like, this is not what I wanted to do. So like for a long time for social media, because that's like what we do mm-hmm. um, during like 2022, 2020, end of 2021, when I was like, I'm not shredded anymore. or I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to not be shredded anymore. Like, what is my content going to be based around? Because that's basically mm. what I did. So I started doing like challenges and like, oh, push up challenge and this <laughs> and that. I'm like going and doing these videos and I, I don't know. I just didn't. I, I It's always good to experiment and see what you like, what you don't like. Cause yeah. You never know what's going to hit. And um, they just weren't hitting. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I relate so hard. Oh, I'm just like, oh, well, shit. And then so I went back to my roots and I was like, just started doing like bodybuilder training and stuff and training with bodybuilders and stuff. And it, it started to move again. So that was like probably like a social media plateau that I hit. Everything else has been pretty steady. I've always felt like I've, I've always felt like um, my foundation and my faith has allowed me to almost see any time that I'm plateaued as like a stepping stone to moving forward further. Mm. So like I would always just trust that any slow point in what I'm doing is just setting me up for what's next. It's not like yeah. the end of everything because it's very, it never ends, bro. You can, you can go to the end be like, everything's detrimental. Everything's right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's so beautiful about faith. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful about faith, for sure. like a sense of just having spirituality and like having a purpose in life and yeah. knowing that things are going to go somewhere is so overwhelmingly positive for mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. It, and it's just, it's crazy. It's not things that we always think about. That's why I, I just feel like living a life as like skeptical to everything, skeptical to all like religions and possibilities. I just feel like it makes things kind of scary. For sure. Yeah. I always say, um, like whether you're for religion, religion, I guess, um, as a whole is kind of like, it's up in the air for me. Cause I, I don't necessarily consider myself religious, but it definitely like, um, the morals that a lot of these religions stand on, I think benefit society as a whole. And I think if more people live their lives based on these morals, like, you know, like just loving one another, like something as simple as that or yep. treating your mother and father with respect. Yep. These, these certain things like society as a whole would just be better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, my favorite concept in all of religion is something that Aubrey Marcus actually brings up a lot. Uh, and it's, it's called Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and who was Christ, you know, this yeah just this man who lived the earth and just who, what was his perspective? And right. th- the reason I feel so in touch with it is because I feel like my best friend, Ryan, who passed away a couple of years ago, had that same perspective where he went through the worst, most miserable things. I feel like he was crucified on his deathbed by his own family who pulled the plug when we were fighting against it. I felt so many things when he showed me that you could still be the nicest coolest sickest funnest most selfless person alive Mm -hmm. that still gave so much quality time to other people for the sake of helping them or just being with family like i don't know if i've told you much of his story i've said it so many times but um basically what like saw his mom die his dad committed suicide when he was a teenager had to take care of both his brothers and sisters like all through his teenage life his house bought 
burned down on fire, also got flooded. He got stabbed when he was seven by his friends um, who stole from him, his quote unquote friends. Um, then, you know, went to the military, San Diego, um, uh, while in PB on this accident, turned around while he was hiding in the bush um, and accidentally punched in the face of a cop. He didn't know it was a cop. So obviously went to jail for years. In jail, tons of things happened, that, as you can imagine. Um, since he was such a nice guy, the uh, fire department asked him to be a firefighter while he was in jail. So while he was in jail, he saved multiple lives. And then one day, um, there was this kid who shot himself, missed his brain, was basically dying on the ground. Ryan saved his life, and the kid ended up being the son of the the police department officer, the chief, the chief. So basically, when Ryan had multiple years left... He got a call and they were like, Ryan, you're going to be out in six months. And he just fell to the, the ground crying. And then six months later we met. Mm. So um, basically the things that I saw from Ryan was like, even though he didn't have money, he would just do the nicest things for people. He was always so positive, always so nice, always really bringing everybody up, always bring everybody up, never brought anybody down. Um, and uh, some of the coolest things is he would just do random nice acts like, uh, our friend's doorknob or our friend's door broke. So literally just out of the kindness of his heart, decided to go to Home Depot, buy a new doorknob, go to his friend's place, surprise them, and then just repair the door for them. Right. Just all these random things. Um, you know, we got Subway for dinner, like five minutes later, saw a homeless guy on the side of the road, just gave him the entire sandwich that we went home. So he didn't have his Subway dinner, but you know, he just did it because like he, he, um, felt like he connected with a homeless man related to him because uh um something about jail that i don't remember but there's just all, all these crazy things and he actually saved physical lives and then even in the end when he passed away he was an organ donor so he saved like 50 plus lives again and his heart went to someone in san diego which is where we lived which was mm-hmm. like really beautiful but yeah honestly like when i think about him i think of like wow i met like christ in real life mm. And it, it kind of gives me shivers, honestly, still to this day. But um, I, uh, that's why it kind of just blows my mind sometimes when I like see all those like Presley Barnes's comments on his page. Like I get that it's funny to like try to be the the top comment, you know, like everyone's yeah, like, these people know. are like on this like competition to be the top comment now. But I just, uh, I would like for people to like maybe spread this message or something. Yeah. I mean, people like that restore your uh, faith in humanity. You know what I mean? Yeah, they do, bro. And uh, you see, you see like comments like that and I'm sure you've gotten hate comments. I've gotten plenty of hate comments and it's just like, when it, when in your life have you ever thought to leave something hateful under someone's, someone's post? Like, have you ever in your life? No, I guess not. It's like a weird thing to think about, but like that, that person who's leaving the hate comments, it's like if so much of society's either one craving validation of getting the likes, cause now likes are on comments, which is obviously like something that people are craving or feel so depressed for themselves that they need to leave a hateful comment on someone else's post. It's just a sad position for society to be in that so many people, it's so prevalent for that to be there. Yeah. James English and I were actually talking about this on the last podcast, but it's like, when in society have you, were you able to like outright tell your tribe or the people in your tribe while being like masked as if you were just yeah. not known, just terrible things. 
Yeah. Like when were you ever able, able to do that? Like never. No. So now we just have to deal with everyone's dark thoughts, mm. which is kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. And social media is an echo chamber, right? Like more people will view and personally feel a particular way, meaning they like the content or they like the person than the people that are commenting but the comments are the ones that you're going to see. The comments are the ones that are the people who are like feel negatively or a particular way about the, the post or the person. Are, those are the people that are going to leave the comments. Yeah. Because obviously like for your friends and stuff, you're going to leave a comment that's super positive or supportive or any of these different things. But for a random person, it's probably unlikely that you're going to leave a super positive comment unless you know them. Yeah. Even if you do, like the content or like the person. Yeah, this yeah. is very true. And like, we never really look at like the top negative comment and see how many likes there are, but then actually compare that to the amount of views that the post got. Or the amount of likes the post got. Yeah, it's always yeah. significantly less in percentage, yeah. always. But you never really think about that. You're just like, wow, like a hundred of you really think that of it, of me? Like, wow. yeah. <laughs> There's so many more questions I want to ask you, but... Um, we're cutting a little close and I still want to ask you the Q and a, yeah, but what is the best, um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice I've ever been given. Probably, probably from my dad, just telling me to go fully in on whatever I genuinely love and have a passion for. And I think that does tie into faith for sure. Cause you do have, a, have to have a certain degree of faith and yourself and the work that you're doing that it will reap some sort of reward but i think that if you genuinely have a passion for something you will find a way to make it happen and that's going to look different for different people because there's artists that are homeless but are happier than people that have billions of dollars mm -hmm. and so where you put value in is like kind of up to you but i think that if you go 100 percent in and you give every single Thing that you have into the passion that you have then you'll never feel unfulfilled so i think having like my dad being 100 supportive my mom did too as well but my dad always told me that like i don't it was like a very specific thing like you said like tristan if you want to stop this and even like when i got into social media even now like if you if you want to just go away and just do something else like not do social media ever again like you 100 have my support and just having that is just like Man, that's <laughs> invaluable. Oh. And it, and not a lot of people have that. So that's why it's like, I can only speak from my perspective and my perspective is obviously kind of like tampered from, from having so much support. But like, just have so much delusional self-belief in yourself that you're going to just push forward and give 1000% into whatever you do. And if you fail, like at least you give 1000%. But... I don't think you can be unfulfilled unless you, uh, unless you like didn't give a thousand percent. Damn dude. I, I never really received that feeling for most, well, of course for my childhood, but, um, very recently I got that a little bit from my dad, mm -hmm. dude. I just, it's kind of hard for me to express, but man, like, like, feeling like you could be accepted regardless like unconditional love fuck dude mm -hmm. that shit hit it really did it's something that i hope that i could have for my children 
I, I'm putting, I'm writing it down that I will have it for them. I know it's always hard, you know, but it's something that I hold of high value. It's like just that love and be like, you know, if this is what you want to do, I fully support it. Do you ever look at like your, the, your path that you're currently on and look at it from that perspective? Like how even my failures and trials and tribulations on the path that I'm currently on, how is that going to affect the stories that I tell my kids or the lessons that I teach my kids? Like, right. I think that's like a big part of how I've kind of directed my current path and I guess sort of like finding my direction in my current path is like, how is this going to contribute to being the man that I want to be for my kids when I eventually have children? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a difficult thing because it's like, you never know the direct steps, but it's like almost something where you have to just kind of walk it out, which most people aren't willing to do. Most people aren't willing to just take the first step, fall, get back up again, do it again and again and again and get beat into the ground over and over again until they reach the point where they're like, Oh, wow. Like I, I am the man that like, I want to be for my children. So that's why I think like when we talked about like, what is ultimate like nectar of life, it's like having that vision of like family down the line. And I know some people just don't want kids, which is fine. Like fair enough. But for me, I just can't imagine a life where I don't look at myself in the future and think, how am I going to build myself up each day now leading up to when I'm 45 years old and I have a 10 year old son or I have a 15 year old son or whatever. And he's becoming the man that like I wanted to be when I was growing up. I wonder that every day, man, always like, am I going to be the right father? And like, how do I like build myself up to be the right one? Like, that's like my, that's like my biggest thing right now like everything that i've made my moves for right now first off has been how do i make myself the right partner Mm. how do i make myself the best provider um and the first thought for me is like for my future wife because i guess that's the first step that i haven't acquired yet um but the thing that follows that thought very closely is for my future kids um and man that stuff has been hitting really hard recently i don't know if like taking gear for bodybuilding has accelerated my brain to the point where I'm like, I'm like almost ready for kids now. But, Mm -hmm. um, I feel that stuff. I don't think it's weird for like, especially being at your age, like you're, yeah. Yeah. I guess at my age and being 22 years old, yeah, Uh, 22. Yeah. 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 22. Right. (laughs) Uh, Dude, when I was 12 though, seriously, I I remember thinking like I would have a kid at this age because I'm pretty sure my parents had a kid at like this age or, or a year older. It's crazy to see like, all of the people, all my friends, all of our friends that were like in, like in our high school or whatever that we don't hang out with now, they're all like married. And a lot of them have kids now too. It's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, some for sure. But I think a lot of people in our space just don't. Oh yeah, in our yeah. space. In LA, nobody. And then, I don't and know then if I, in oh. LA, on the internet, like, oh. like, there's, like there's so many like people who are like 30 years old on the internet and just yeah. don't have families or kids. So like maybe it lends itself to that, like the, the nature of the work, but I'm not sure. But then I think about Eric Janicki and I'm like, how do I become a dad like that? That's amazing. But runs his businesses, has a family and he's the 300 pounds jacked. <laughs> what else can you ask for? Like, how do you like manage all that time, bro? Yeah. I ask him this all the time, dude. It's like, I look up to it so much. And he's like one of the nicest human beings in the world too. Yeah, man. I don't get it. It's funny because nobody like, especially in his, like his first writing videos where he's like sprint towards camera and he's massive. Nobody thought. That he was the nicest guy. Everyone's just like, who's this douchebag that's just... His Spider-Man costume. <laughs> and then he comes out with his Spider-Man costume videos. All right. Last question for me. And then um, let's do the Q&A real quick. Let's but, do it. Um, if, you, if you could meet anyone in the world alive or deceased, who would it be? I don't know. That's a, that's a very tough question. Maybe like... 
Oh, you said alive or deceased? Alive or deceased. Oh, okay. Is it harder like that? Yeah, no, no, no. No, it's easier. Okay. It's a lot because I was thinking I was I was thinking only about deceased. Probably like Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? Mike Tyson's always been like a massive inspiration of mine. Why? I don't know. Just because I love his champion's mentality and going and how like not only like during his prime, like prime Mike Tyson when he was like super aggressive and would do anything to win. Sort of like Michael Jordan, I guess. And then mm-hmm. Kobe's like Mamba mentality. But but then also like how Mike Tyson's now like shifted to like this whole like wholesome. He's kind of like discovered himself. Like I like that arc where so like you go through this like competitive rampage of like building yourself up. It's like almost like a, some uh, anime thing, <laughs> like a character build. But, um, but like you go through this whole phase of like basically discovering who you are. And then at the end, it's like you drop all of your ego and then now you're just living life to be fulfilled, which is, I don't know. That's just very interesting to me. I think he's got a lot of interesting perspectives. Damn, that's cool, dude. I think yeah. I'll fucking look him up more. Yeah, <laughs> let's see where Mike Tyson gone. <laughs> How long have you been 16 years old for? Five years. <laughs> it's five years now, right? I think so. That sounds about right, right? When will you compete in stage? Asked by Casey. Asked by what? Casey. Oh, Casey. What up, Casey? <laughs> So uh, the, initially the plan was August this year, uh, just around my birthday when I'm turning 16 again. Oh, yeah. Your birthday is a day before mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what the hell? August okay. 21st. Yeah. So you'll be turning 16 as well. Yeah. Um, initially, that was the plan. And then I got up, I gained 40 pounds and was still relatively lean from my from my leanest. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to cut all the way back down um, and then have to go all the way back up again. I'd rather just keep building muscle while I can if I'm still making progress. So I decided I'll just do a little mini cut and then I'll just get right back into bulking. So now, as of now, it's looking like it's going to be end of year to early next year, but we'll really see where I'm at. How much do you weigh again right now? Like right now, I'm like 167. I got up to 175 and then I dropped eight pounds on the mini cut so far. Once you got, you got the 175? Yeah. Okay. And I started yeah. at like 137 or so. 137? Yeah. Whoa, yeah. that's crazy, yeah. bro. You were peeled, dude. Yeah, but that's, that's what I mean. That's crazy. like crazy. I, I, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that's so crazy, dude. But if I got up that much and I'm still not like morbidly obese, then I'm just going to keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cool question. Gustavo asks, do you feel like this new era of mass over shreds slash aesthetics has helped your mental health? I would say that progression as a whole has helped my mental health. So like having a plan and being like, this is when I'm going to mass to, and then this is when I'm going to shred to like just having that kind of goal set in front of me helped me a lot because initially like when I first got stage ready, essentially, and was like maintaining that was after I stopped playing football and didn't have any goals in mind. So having some sort of date and working with a coach, that's another thing has kind of been like, oh, okay, so I can just look at this week by week and just follow the plan and just trust the plan. And I've always been super plan goal oriented. So that I would say has helped with my mental health because then I can just be like, just trust the plan, follow the, trust the bulk is that what it says. Is that the quote? And then, uh, and then just kind of just follow along with that. So um, my mental is definitely like better than what it was, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it was being shredded. That was uh, affecting my mental health. I would say it's more so the lack of planning. Interesting. You never felt like the the severe deficit of calories. No, I wasn't like depressed. Whoa. Okay. Like I I I definitely felt it. Like my sleep started to get really bad at the end. Uh, like obviously, like sex drive was super low at the end of that yeah. as well. But like as far as like depression and like really bad, it was actually like 
when I came out of it and I still didn't really have a ball game plan, but I was like, I don't want to be this shredded anymore because I don't feel good. But then I was also like, I don't know where to go from here. So that kind of like screwed with me mentally. Yeah. But yeah, it was more like the lack of planning rather than the, like the Mm -hmm. deficit or the situation itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt like, um, in the future? Cause I mean, I think the main goal right now for you is like competing and, like growing in the competing, right? I think that's like, yeah, like that's a, that's definitely like a long-term vision. Yeah. I guess I'm just thinking about how like I relate to that and how like you and I, like we both just tried to be like shredded as fuck for me. It was three years and then just now we're on a bulk, which is crazy. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just thinking like, man, this bulk is really hard, honestly, dude. Cause like, not just like the, the eating and like constantly, like right now I feel great because I'm I'm kind of fasted. I haven't eaten in like a good like four hours, which mm-hmm. is not good for bodybuilding, but it's good for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I can't do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the worst part for me that I think, luckily you don't have the experience though, is I'm, I really don't like taking gear. Mm. Like I really don't like it. Like it looks. What does that make you feel? It, it makes your physique look great, but there's just too many things that I've noticed have changed me. Like, and luckily, I think uh, I am still who I am. My personality is intact. I'm not overly aggressive. There's a lot of things that oh, okay. I've been so able to like, maintain. Yeah. But um, I've noticed like my face looks a lot older. I have a lot more like really like androgenic and pronounced like masculine features than I right. had before, which is cool. Like I'm growing a lot more hair in places where I never <laughs> grew hair before. It's kind of crazy. Like I could never grow a beard. Yeah. I'm growing fucking hair on my fucking abs and I've never had that um losing hair on my head it's like small tiny things right but like a combination of everything put together like um how it makes me feel and like if the if my hormones fluctuate then how that affects my entire health mm-hmm. my mental space like all the little things are connected to like bigger things you know what right. i mean yeah like just because you know you're having acne and having dry skin doesn't mean you might also not be like a little dehydrated and also like maybe the hormone difference there is potentially affecting your mental health in some aspect. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a, that's a massive thing. Like I think to completely ignore that in any regard for natural or enhanced athletes, like when people talk about hormonal imbalances, I don't think that's just an enhanced versus natural thing. I think that's certainly like a thing for natural athletes as well. And not just natural athletes, but people like people who go into like clinics and have like low testosterone and don't address other factors in their lives that are like, Oh, am I getting actual, like, am I getting sunlight? Am I getting eight hours of sleep? Am I eating enough food? Am I eating enough protein? Am I eating quality macronutrients? Like all the fats, all the vitamins that I need and they don't address these issues. And then, like you said, like you just add another variable with gear or even if it's just something simple like TRT, which seemingly massive problem, it doesn't necessarily fix the hormonal imbalance. It's just adding another exogenous thing that still doesn't really level things out necessarily. Yeah. It's where like doing all your blood work so many times and then just trying to like understand like, you know, it's like playing a game. Of it's like, tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're basically, well, you're playing. not a chemist, right? Like you're not, it's very difficult. Like you're basically playing that. Like, because as soon as you try to be like, Oh, well I'm going to get my testosterone up and my estrogen down. Like as far as like, like actual lifestyle changes, you're just never going to be able to do it so specifically. You can only optimize to what you can optimize. You know what I mean? Like you can only try to get eight hours of sleep and get mm-hmm. your sunlight and do like these major things. But uh, yeah, that's as much as you can do really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Lifting with Kev asks, what's your favorite diet that you've tried up to this point? I love carnivore, man. Carnivore? So good. Mental mm. clarity. I felt light. My digestion was absolutely amazing. Why did you come off of it? I couldn't eat enough food. I was eating so much food, like so much protein, bro. Is this is this for the purpose of bulking? Yeah, yeah 100% okay, for okay. bulking. Because like, it would have been one thing, I guess, if I was like at the point I'm at right now. Like if I went to like carnivore right now and I just tried to eat like maintenance calories, I'd be fine. But like I was coming from like 4% body fat and le- legitimately needed to like gain body fat. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't getting fat because of like, I literally couldn't eat enough food. Even yeah. when I ate more food, like... I, I'm not sure how many studies contradict this or support this, but the thermogenic effect of having so much protein oh, was yeah. certainly affecting how I was staying so lean. And then also like the combination of factors with me having been keto for like seven years, like my body's extremely used to like using the macronutrients yeah. that are like provided. I know you can switch off that fairly quickly, but I think adding in carbohydrates definitely helped me just, gain weight because it's just so easy man i'm just like go back to my asian roots and just eat a bowl of rice (laughs) yeah dude i didn't know you were on keto for seven years though that's since i was 13 that's crazy bro i mean i'm well i would assume that it had definitely helped with the striations (laughs) i'd have to think so possibly shane asks uh is there anything that you feel like you missed by being dedicated to fitness from such a young age no, not particularly. I'm still not really like a super social person coming out of like the like the shred phase, which was probably my primary dedication. Like I've always just found more enjoyment and fulfillment and pushing towards goals, both business wise, academics wise and sport wise. So I don't feel like I've missed out on anything and anything that I have missed out on. I try not to live in regret. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Plus you have a long life to live. So there's, yeah. it's there's also like, lot. it helps like, like 15 to 21. That's the age when you're supposed to be like experimenting with shit, trying out stuff. So, I mean, I'm not like super fussed. I don't feel like I wasted anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, you just entered your twenties. Yeah. Twenties are the best. And according to uh, Alex Ramosi, a man's life doesn't even start till his thirties. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Thank bro. You honestly, me. where can everybody find you? Uh, Tristan Lee official on Instagram, Tristan Lee on YouTube. Uh, I think it's Tristan Lee on Snapchat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks for watching again. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you guys know that the best non-cost way to support the podcast is rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcast. And also subscribing to the YouTube channel and clicking that bell button because it does help us. It does a lot because there's a lot of subscribers, but there's not always um people watching the videos um sometimes they get lost so and just being seen helps so much so um that's it this is tristan the boy and uh i guess we're out yeah peace